Welcome, Bears fans, once again to an episode of Bear Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And uh, we're two jamokes that are going to see if we can do some algebra or trigonometry or something to, you know, put a coefficient or an integer on this, whatever this garbage is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I guess to start off, sorry for not getting an episode out last week or uh, the early part of this week. We've had some travels and some technical difficulties, so we've been a bit delayed and we're a bit behind schedule, but we're back. Um, we could spend some time talking about the latest Bears collapse in Detroit, but it's already Friday when we're recording this, and I think by now everyone's kind of had a chance to react to that embarrassment, so I think we're going to pass on most of that discussion. Didn't, uh, didn't even started. Biden comment on it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was historic, right? It was the only time in NFL history that a team had more than 40 yard, 40 minutes of possession and four turnovers and lost. <laughs> so another feather in that Eberflus cap. But look, find out what's, what's more to say about this coaching staff and about this team. It's just that they find new ways to lose games, sometimes in really spectacular fashion. I mean, we were sitting at the bar watching the game, and with four minutes to go, after the Bears kicked that field goal, we kind of turned to each other and we're like, you know, if there's one team that could still, still screw this up, it's the Bears. <laughs> and as soon as the Lions started driving, you, you knew what was going to happen. So it's just another sad story in this regime's time here. And that, that's really all I had to say about it. Well, I mean, it was, you know, uh, the hardest part is seeing failure on that so many spots. Uh, so I, I don't know whether that's better or worse. Um, that's not the point. Uh, then, you know, focusing on okay it was this particular play but it was just they seemed to be playing like a team uh it was an enjoyable game to watch and then it just seemed like it was a total collapse and that's not to take anything from the lions who you know let's also you know give a little credit where credit is due that they they rallied and that's what good teams do that's what teams that win championships do yeah, and the Bears had their opportunities to make plays that would have sealed the game or at least made it a lot harder for the Lions to come back and close that margin in four minutes. I mean, we, we all know what happened with the Jalen Johnson pick. That was a 14-point swing if he makes that player. Yeah. At least he keeps him out of the end zone. Like, we don't know if he's going to take it all the way back, but the next play they scored a touchdown, so you, you keep them off the board there, and the game's different. And then you had the breakdown in the secondary with – a couple minutes left to go on the Jamison Williams touchdown. And everyone's been debating whether or not that was Jalen Johnson's fault or Eddie Jackson's fault or Kyler Gordon's fault. But it's moot. Story, the story that it, it doesn't matter. The, yeah. the secondary broke down and he gave up a long touchdown. And that's time that stays on the clock. If it had taken him four more plays to get into the end zone there, then that's another minute gone probably. So look, it, it's, just another example of this team just finding a new way to lose and that's been the theme with Matt Eberflus and last year we know that the Bears weren't necessarily trying to win all of those games but there were a lot of games that they were trying to win that they lost 
And there's been a lot of games this year that they've been trying to win that they've lost. And they've just had some really spectacular collapses. And that's on everybody. That's lack of playmakers on the roster. That's poor coaching. That's just the culture of the organization right now is that they're just losers for many different reasons. Yeah. And, uh, it's hard. It's hard to pinpoint, and that frustrates fans uh, even more because it, it, it's it's one thing to be able to point to okay, well, improvement needs to be done here, and it's another thing when we're at this juncture where the there's far more questions than there are answers. Yeah, and that's really what I wanted to talk about in the first part of our episode here today is like there's six games left largely against mediocre to poor teams. And the narrative around this organization right now is it's like, everyone's got six games to prove that they should keep their job. And that's the coaches and the quarterback. And look, I really hope that's not true. Good organizations don't make, critical decisions like that based on what happens at the end of a lost season. Yeah. We've got two and a half years of tape on Justin Fields now. And I really hope that Ryan Poles isn't sitting there thinking that he still needs to evaluate what happens in these last couple games. It's in everyone's best interest if he plays well, but I have to think that his decision on quarterback is pretty much already made up. I'd have to think that the decision on the coaching staff is already made up because, look, say the Bears rally and go four and two in these last six games and beat Josh Dobbs and Dorian Thompson Robinson and Kyler Murray. Like, what does that really get you? Because the season's already over for the Bears and we've seen enough from this coaching staff. And look, I don't know enough about quarterbacks to say whether or not Justin Fields can win a Super Bowl with the Bears someday. I'm not in the meetings to understand what he's like in the meetings, whether or not he picks things up quickly and whether he's got what it takes to be that franchise quarterback. But I sure hope the Bears know already. And I, I hope that they're not placing too much too much emphasis on the last six games of this season because I just think that they should have their minds made up by now. Yeah. Uh, I saw um, I saw a Twitter post today where some Twitter joker <laughs> decided to do a breakdown of the interceptions that Justin Fields has thrown this year, and he used a, a rating system of red light, yellow light, green light to determine if it was quote Fields' fault or not. You know, and so out of morbid curiosity, really morbid, uh, I decided to read the thread and it was weird listening to this guy's reasoning. I mean, he was just he, he was trying to sound like he was being uh, statistical or logical about it. But really, he was just talking out of his butt because he, he has he has no idea of what play that they're running. So you can't you can't say whether the uh, receivers in the right place or not. You can't you can't know what Justin Fields was looking at when he did it. Um, if now if Fields throws the ball directly to a receiver and the receiver 
doesn't catch the ball and uh, it, an interception is made, even, even under those circumstances, you can still look and say, well, did Fields throw it to the right spot on his body? Was it where the receiver was expecting it to be? Did Fields account for where the DB was going to be? Did Fields throw it to a spot that only the receiver could get to it? I mean, there's there's 20 questions just on that. So, you know, other than when, uh, when, a, when the quarterback throws the ball directly to a defensive back... <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cut, right? But even with that, again, there's a bunch of unanswered questions. Was the receiver supposed to be there? Uh, did uh, did a pick happen that wasn't called on the play? Was there uh, was there some other kind of holding or uh, defensive interference that should have been called that wasn't? So you know, my point here is is that. The determination on how he is developing isn't just sitting out there waiting for these next six games to be played. These determinations are made by the GM. Probably ownership has a hand in that. Probably the president of the team has a hand in that. And the head coach. With some, with the offensive coordinator too. You know, I mean, it's not just one guy sitting there going, I think Fields is okay, or I don't think he's okay. But a lot of it is based on what is happening in conversations that we're not privy to, right? Like right. there's the three hours of game every week, but there's dozens and dozens of hours of meetings and sideline conversations and film sessions. And look, as, I, as you were going through all the different variables there, and I agree with all of them, it's like another thing you don't know is would he have made that same throw if he had been coached better? <laughs> True! I, I, think, I, I think the one thing everyone can agree on with Fields is the raw talent is there in terms of arm strength and speed and yes. accuracy. Like He's got everything you'd want in a quarterback when you talk about like the measurable skills. So... As fans, we're left sitting here debating, once again, is Fields just not able to process the game the way you need an NFL quarterback to, or has he been coached poorly by the Bears, so they've screwed him up, or is it a combination of both? And, look, those are questions that we'll never be able to answer, but my point is that when Ryan Poles is sitting there talking with his staff about whether or not they're going to stick with fields for another year or trade for another quarterback. A lot of that decision is based on things behind the scenes, not necessarily yes. what's happening on game day. So, but I think if you ask the majority of bears fans right now, they would say polls is back. They'd say Eberflus is not back. And I think fields is maybe a little closer to 50, 50, but probably a little more skewed towards people saying that he's not back. Yeah, And I think you, you and I are both of the opinion that whether or not he's back needs to be a discussion between the next coach and the front office. Like, I don't think they can go into coaching interviews, assuming they fire Eberflus, which I still think they will. I don't think you can go into interviews telling candidates that Justin Fields has to be the quarterback next year. I think... Question number one in those interviews should be, what is your plan for the quarterback? And if that's Justin Fields, great. If what not, is your great, plan? That's what we're going to do. Yeah. 
And, and, and to continue on that, when I was reading Biggs this week, he, he mentioned that just what you were, just what you were reiterating there, and that is whatever the plan is, do it. There isn't a plan. He, he, I, I liked his solid stance on this. He's like, you're either in with Fields or not. This, this trying to keep evaluating him is really just, it's just dragging out. And all, all it does is it just makes for more issues. Uh, last year, we decided that we were going to stick with him and that uh, they were, uh, this was going to be the evaluation year and that, you know, they traded away the number one overall pick and one of those quarterbacks is doing quite well. So that uh, adds a whole nother layer into this. And this year there is a good crop of quarterbacks, whether they'll turn out or not is a completely separate question that we're not digging into, but how they're rated by the powers that be, this quarterback class is highly rated. We will be in position to draft one of them. The decision needs to be like you just said. The new coach, as far as I'm concerned, the coaching staff has to be fired. And it's simply based on the fact that they are given a specific job to do to make the team play better as an entire team. And that objective hasn't been achieved. No, I, I think that the coaching staff has to go as well. And look, I got a little nervous a couple of weeks ago when Ryan Poles came down and gave that defensive Matt Eberflus, because look, we've all heard what normal votes of confidence sound like. That wasn't it. That wasn't <laughs> like, Matt's our guy for now, and we believe in him, and we're going to look at everything after the season's over. That was a two-paragraph-long explanation for how great of a leader Matt Eberflus is. So, look, we've heard polls do that before with players and then move on from the player. Roquan Smith, David Montgomery, like, polls spoke really highly of them as well, so maybe that's just something he does publicly. But I have to think that there's been enough of a body of work to say that this coach isn't it. And yes. I'm not even really putting this last game on the coaching staff entirely. The, the play calling was conservative at the end, but look, they had a 98% chance to win that game when you looked at the win probability. Like, the players need to finish that one out. With about four minutes to go. Yeah, exactly. But I, I think we've got enough to say that this team is, is not well coached. And yeah. it hasn't been for the last two years. And I just can't see if... I can't see a scenario where they're running it back with Iberflus and Fields or they're drafting a quarterback and saying that the right coaching staff to develop the new first-round quarterback that you might be picking with the first pick in the draft is this coaching staff. Yeah. Like, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. And I've been wrong before. Ole seems to really like Iberflus, but it's enough already with this. I mean, but... But in, in most likely, they're going to end this season with five wins or fewer, meaning that his record as the coach of the Bears will be, what, like eight and 20-something. Like, that, that's just not good enough. And there have been a little, there have been a little 
there have been little improvements, especially on the defense as this season has gone on. And Fields did play pretty well against Detroit, but I haven't seen enough to make me think that these guys are going to be back. And I, I hope that's where we end up because going into year three of Eberflus and Getze isn't going to excite anybody. Yeah, and, you know, uh, as I was saying with uh, Biggs, I just like the fact that he was putting it plainly that a, a clear-cut decision needs to be made here. And when we boil it down... Uh, Nagy, uh, his year with Fields was obviously not good. Um, the next two years or year and a half at this point, uh, has not been good with that coaching staff. Well, one of the criticisms of Fields before he came out was that he had a stacked team at Ohio State and him, uh, his talents trying to elevate a team were suspect. And uh, if that is a, whether that's a fair criticism at this point or not is not really the point. The real point is, is that he's had his opportunity and while it certainly has not been under the best conditions, uh, it's obviously not working out for either him in his career, or Chicago. To me, it makes the most sense for polls to wipe the slate clean, uh, do like you said, look for a new coaching staff, uh, hopefully with an offensive leader. Uh, we've seen up close and personal what that's done for Green Bay uh, and Minnesota. Um, and and have that person involved in the new decision about uh, whether they keep fields or not, and if they don't keep fields, who they want in the draft. And and I would lean towards doing the the, the wipe wiping of the slate and and looking at a new guy. I think that's where my head's at too, because then with fields, you're also on three systems in four years, yeah. which isn't great. And look, if you keep the coaching staff, then first of all, there's a couple of glaring issues. If you keep the coaching staff, number one, you've already got at least two assistant coaches that you have to hire, and including defensive coordinator. And you're not going to get anybody good because anybody good is going to say, look, Matt Eberflus is more than likely only got one year left, so why would I take a job right. that I'm probably going to be packing my bags? Lame duck another 12 months. And if you remember what happened in the last year of Matt Nagy, when everyone knew he was likely to be fired, a bunch of their assistant coaches actually quit and got other jobs <laughs> because of the same reason. They're like, why would I hang out here when it's going to be a miserable season and I'm going to be packing my bags in short order. But happened at the end so of uh, Lovey too. Yeah, that's right. So that's why the bears ended up with Mike Martz because nobody qualified wanted to come in and coach a, a Bears team where everyone thought Lovey Smith was a lame duck. But look, we've covered the coaches. I, I tend to agree with you. And I think Fields is good. I, I think that his last 16 games or so, his numbers are pretty solid. I wouldn't hate it if they said that we're going to draft a wide receiver in the top 10 and maybe we'll make another upgrade at our offensive line. And then we've got a stacked offense with a new coach that we think this guy 
can, you know, be a all pro type quarterback behind. But I just think what's far more likely to happen is that they're just going to say, we can't go two years in a row with a top two pick and not take a quarterback. Like that's a high degree of faith that you're placing in Justin Fields. If two years in a row, you're passing on a quarterback when you're picking at that spot in the draft. And look, there's already passed on a quarterback last year that people are talking about as a potential MVP candidate, yep. CJ Stroud. And while I don't think he's going to win the MVP this year, the fact that he's in that discussion legitimately as a rookie, it's pretty impressive. And Bears could have had him and they passed. So we'll see how that decision plays out. But I just think that it's a lot to ask a front office to say, for the second year in a row, we're going to pass on one of the top quarterbacks in the draft for a guy that we didn't draft. Yeah. And uh, uh, with that Texan situation, you know, uh, he didn't go to a situation where uh, he ha- immediately had everything available to him. He's making guys look good oh. that you wouldn't even have been able to name them last year. So, uh, and he's working with a brand new coach, too, a, a rookie head coach. So, uh, the situation, He's a defensive guy, by the way, a defensive guy. Yes. And, you know, he's, he's making, he's making players around him look better. Now, at the same time, I don't think that you crown the guy, uh, as, oh, he's going to be the next Super Bowl winner or at the adversely you say that, um, Bryce Young is a poor, is a poor player. Uh, a lot of time still has yet to play out. But the fact of the matter is is that he did come in and he's making plays and he has himself in a great position already. And, you know, he could have been a bear. So it's I 100% agree with you that to do that a second time and watch one of those guys, you know, suddenly take the league by storm. That's a that's a heavy burden to put for one thing just on Fields. Justin Fields to me seems like a really good character guy. He seems like uh, the kind of player that you really want on your team. I'll bet he is a hell of a guy in the locker room too. Uh, but there's at a certain point. Um, he needs to be able to think about himself and say, I got a future here. And if I was him, I would, I wouldn't feel comfortable with my job security at all. No, I, I think he knows that it's probably over here for him. And you know, he might be happy about that. Could be. he, He might be saying, look, I've been through two terrible coaching regimes in my time here. One of the years I was here, they were trying to lose on purpose uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if he's ready for a fresh start and saying, look, I don't want to see my career get ruined here. Now, I do think that if there is a new coaching staff, then I hope that Ryan Poles does the right thing and invests in an offensive mind that can get the most out of whatever quarterbacks here. Yes. Because that hasn't been the case so far. So far, Justin Fields has been stuck with two guys that want to run their offense and don't maximize what he does best. So no guarantee. I hope that the next coach doesn't do that. But, you know, I also think that what I said earlier is still true. It's you'd be 
passing on the quarterback for the second year in a row when you've got the premium pick in the draft and it would be a third system in four years. And by the way, at the end of this next year, then if he plays well, you've got to make the decision, all right, is this the quarterback we're giving $200 million to or not, right? Because you've wasted the first three years of his rookie contract, basically. So I, I think it's most likely to be a fresh start. And I think that in general, a new coach will want to draft their guy. I have a hard time thinking that assuming they're hiring an offensive coach, the strong preference is a guy that's only been, that's already been in the league for three years. I I just have a feeling that the new coach is going to want their guy that they fall in love with in the draft. And they're going to want a chance to develop him starting on day one, as opposed to having to unteach three years of wrong lessons that the bears have taught Justin Fields. Right. And this and, conversation just sucks, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's it, it is. Wanted, it's a dumpster you fire. Years ago, but the same exact things we were saying about Mitch Trubisky. It's just too bad. Yeah. Um, you know, Martellus Bennett, uh, did you see that tech, that that tweet? So Martellus Bennett, and you know, of course, uh, a lot of people have commented on this now uh, about basically about how the Bears have been trying to sell the '80s Bears, specifically the '85 team, but the '80s Bears uh, since then, and they still are. And friend of the show, Matt, um, I remember him telling me this uh, probably a decade ago. I mean, it was really that long ago. And, uh, you know, I couldn't come up with any argument with it. It, it, it is. They, they still are living on past glory. And uh, the, the thing is, is that during Lovey's teams, they had some of that, that feel to them, especially when the Super Bowl year, um, the offense was was confident, even good at times. Uh, the defense was super tough. Uh, you know, you had uh, you had Ron Rivera, which was from those '80s teams, coaching there. Um, but since then, the, the the team has basically been just crap, and there's been nothing to rally around. Uh, we all got very excited. When Justin Fields was selected, uh, you know, finally we're going to have a chance to have an, a real athlete with real accolades come in and perhaps change the, the entire demeanor of the team. And we all got very excited uh, after we saw what could be last year, and it just led to more disappointment this year. And... The thing is, is that with that coming out, especially from a former player uh, like that, it, to me, it really puts it up front in our faces that this entire culture is just at the bottom now. Yeah, it seems that way. I was trying to think about over the last 10 years, if there's been a team in the NFL that's had less success than the Bears. And I'm thinking about success fairly broad there. Like, I'm sure there's teams with worse records over the last 10 years, but, you know, a couple of teams that come to mind are the Browns, who are at least (laughs) pretty decent now. 
Lions, pretty decent now. Jaguars have, you know, pretty decent now. The, the Bears arrow is still pointing at best sideways and probably still a little bit in the wrong direction, right? And Yeah, I would put it still been, a little bit down. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I think that the team is improving marginally, but I don't see anything with this group that makes me think that they're on their way to like a 13-win season in the next two years. So what you were just talking about with that post from Bennett and with just organizational culture in general, it reminded me of the story that we were just chatting about before we started recording, which was Albert Breer kind of putting it out into the bloodstream that he thinks there's a chance that Kevin Warren might just come in and clean house after the end of this year, meaning that he's going to fire both Poles and Eberflus and just start over again with his guys that, you know, or his process at least, because I, I don't really think he is known for being a football executive. He's more known for being a really effective organizational president and leader. But right. what are your thoughts on that? Because I think you and I have both been operating under the assumption that polls is safe. But with Breer mentioning that, you know, he's kind of a knucklehead at times, but he's also a national writer that is potentially at least in the know. What What are your thoughts on that storyline that's come out over the last couple of days? Well, it actually took me down a new thread of thinking that I hadn't really thought about deeply before, and that is that, number one, I will be the first to say I certainly hope they keep polls. Giving him two years, I think, is ridiculous. Uh, I, I think any any GM we would have brought in uh, deserves more time than that. He's one of the, when we got him, he was one of the young uh, uh, leadership minds in the NFL. We were not the only team that courted him. You, you don't get those kind of job opportunities unless you're, uh, unless you're known well with a good reputation throughout the NFL. And you got to remember, when you look at the NFL, it's really a pretty small organization, right? It takes a lot to get into that particular organization. So there's that. And then the other thing is, is that the more I look at it, the more I realize that when you look back at Ted Phillips and now you look at Kevin Warren, neither one of these guys was were football guys. Um, and and I, I certainly was one that was critical of Ted Phillips. But the more I think about it, the more I wonder how much more George is actually involved. Because George is a fan. He's shown us that point blank, right? I mean, let's not forget that he showed up at the airport to pick up poles dressed from head to toe in Bears gear. <laughs> Nobody told him that he had to do that, Right. Parking, short-term parking. Exactly. You know, I mean, he, he when it comes right down to it, he is a fan of the team. Yes, he's a part of, he's an owner, but he's also a fan. He does want to see the team win. He does want to see the team do well. It suddenly occurred to me that it wasn't really that long ago when he interviewed a player, Ray McDonald. I mean, we... You can't forget that, you know, and the guy was a total disaster. But, I mean, how often does it happen that an owner actually interviews a player and talks to his mother? That doesn't happen. 
So that, that was such a mess. It was. I'm glad you bring that up. It was. But, <laughs> but the thing is, is that what it gives me a clue on is that maybe George is a lot more involved in speaking to the GM than is let on. Uh, when prior to this, Matt Nagy actually said that he met with George on a regular basis. It kind of was one of those footnotes in one of the articles I was reading. And I was like, wait, what? The head coach is meeting with the team with the team owner? I, I would think that he never talked to him. I the way I understand it also is that Pace met with met with him all of the time, regularly. So the reason I mention this is because I really think that it makes it look like Phillips and now Warren really aren't that much involved in what happens with football decisions. Neither one of those guys' accolades are involved in football decisions. They're about money. And that's really what they focus on. And that's what they're known for. That's what the reputation is. That's what Phillips always did when he was with the team. But George loves the team. And he is the one that hired Poles. So it makes a lot more sense that he would have the, the decision, the big decision, on whether that choice is a good one or a bad one at this point. Yeah, that makes some sense. And I would have to imagine that Kevin Warren's number one priority is the stadium project, which is obviously huge. is a full-time job yeah. and probably event them. But the culture piece is interesting to me because I think the way that the organization is technically structured is that Poles reports to Warren who reports to George. So, look, I can promise you this with Kevin Warren. I can promise you he didn't get to the Bears and was, like, blown away by how well run of an operation is. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure based on his experience with the Vikings and with the Big Ten and in other places, he's found some things in the Bears organization that, he thinks should be changed. Now, sure. we don't know who is evaluating polls, like, fundamentally, right? Technically, it's Warren, but we don't know if it's Warren talking to George. We don't know if George told Kevin Warren, do your own thing and come back to me at the end of the year with your evaluation of where this organization sits and what we need to do to move forward. I think what you're saying is probably right. I think it probably is more George just because I think Warren is probably consumed with the stadium. But, like, we, it, would it surprise me if Kevin Warren said, I just want to start fresh? Like, based on what I've seen here, I just don't think that we have the right foundation in place in our organization to build this team into a Super Bowl contender. It wouldn't surprise me. I think it would be a little unfair to polls because, like you said, only giving him two years would be not necessarily best practice when you're talking about executives. Yeah. But it's also the NFL. Sometimes things that are unfair happen, and Kevin Warren didn't hire any of these guys. So I think in all likelihood, polls will be back. I, I, th I think the Bears will not want to start fresh again after just doing that two years ago, but... Having that piece of news show up in my Twitter feed just kind of raised my eyebrows a little bit, and it got me thinking just a little bit about kind of the point you were making about organizational culture, and maybe Kevin Warren just doesn't think they have the right guys here. So, look, we don't know. 
it would surprise me if they moved on from polls after two years, but definitely something to keep an eye on as this season comes to a close, Just especially if things get more dysfunctional because like the bears are coming off a couple of pretty decent weeks, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious when last week was like the historic collapse, but yeah. at least they haven't been like dysfunctional off the field in a couple of weeks. So throw them a parade for that. But this year has been pretty dysfunctional. So maybe Kevin Warren has seen that and just says, look, I just want to start fresh. I don't know. It, I, I, I don't think that'll happen, but it could, I guess. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, the, the, also when you look at this, um, if you're just looking at it as a, I, I tend to like to look at the Bears organization just like any other high dollar corporation, right? And uh, Poles, uh, he's got to take a big step up from what from what he was doing before this, um, and he himself recognized that this is a very big job, so he went out and hired an assistant general manager that the bears have never had before they've never had that in the organization to me that's that shows a lot about you know what this is a really important job there's a lot there components you know what i should definitely have somebody as a backup to me i think that shows a little bit of predication on yourself a little bit of self-examination and saying you know what um maybe it would be good to have two minds here rather than just one I think he has shown enough that um, even though we love to be, the, the fans uh, love to be super critical of everything that he does, I think he's done some pretty uh, astute things too. This deal, even though he did choose to um, make the deal for the first overall pick, it's looking like he was pretty shrewd in making this deal now obviously the compl the complication there is stroud is turning out to do well well let's also remember that at the time of the draft nobody was really super hype on anybody in that quarterback class um you know the the most popular the the most popular name thrown around was bryce young and well, you know, the big knock on him was his size, right? Well, so it, it's, he wasn't the only person that was looking at this quarterback class. And he came out and said, um, you know, uh, unless somebody in this class really blows me away, we're sticking with the guy we got. And I, I was good with that. You were good with that, that we were going to stick with Fields, that we were going to give him another opportunity. He was going to get to be with the same coaching staff for two years in a row. Things were looking up. And then he actually got us a, a young, uh, fresh, number one wide receiver, which the team can't claim to have had that in decades. So he... he and, it's turning out that the trade that he made may award him with the number one overall pick again. So yeah. this wasn't, this wasn't an arbitrary, Oh, it fell into my lap situation here. He engineered this. So he needs to get, if he's going to take all of the criticism, he needs to get some accolades too. Yeah, I think he's done some good things. There's been some mistakes along the way. Um, I haven't seen anything that makes me think he's great at this, but 
I think there's been some good things and look for a young executive, there's going to be some mistakes and that's kind of what you sign up for. Yeah. Hire a 37 year old guy that's never done it before. Like that's part of it is that sometimes they make some mistakes in their first couple of years and they learn. And I am seeing some progress with the talent on the field. I like, I love the DJ Moore trade. That's been a success, like resounding. I, think we've got the best offensive line that we've seen in several years long time a couple like if they add a couple more pieces especially a center in this offseason like they could really have that humming and then you add another pass catcher this offense could look pretty legit and same goes on the defense I think they've got a pretty solid secondary I, I think the line has improved I've liked what I've seen from Dexter and Stevenson and Gordon, like those are nice players. So you see the building blocks here of a young team that if you hit on a couple of high draft picks and make some good free agent signings, like this team could be in the playoff conversation next year. Absolutely. But the critical question always comes back to quarterback, right? And it's, if you don't have that guy, you can really only go so far with a couple very rare exceptions. So I agree with you that I, in general, like polls. I think that there's been a couple of really big failures, particularly the coach. But yep. I've not seen enough yet with him. I've seen enough with the coach, for sure. But I do hope Poles kind of gets to see this thing through a little bit because they're going to have two very high draft picks next year and a lot of salary cap space, and you are seeing some progress in certain places on the roster. So did maybe I have my hopes set too high that this would turn around a little bit faster? Yes, but I'm not ready to say it's a failure yet. I do think he deserves the opportunity to draft the to, t- to use the draft picks that he's accumulated and uh, spend the salary cap space that he's accumulated so that's kind of where I sit on Ryan Poles as well yeah the, um, we all hoped to see more improvement uh, this year than we did um, even when we tempered that we expected to see more improvement but let's let's also remember and we've said it a hundred times on this show that Polls was clear. Polls said it's not going to be 22. It's not going to be 23. It's going to be 24. Um, And I'm building the team so that we're good for a decade, not for so we can get up to mediocrity or just above mediocrity once again, like we've done a million times in the past. So this this build is and he's he said that he was going to do the build through the draft and primarily that's what he's doing and that is a slow build but those are the builds that last those are the builds that give you the kind of assets that later on you're able to go you know what I've got a guy now that's better than the guy I already had starting so I can keep the guy I've gotten uh, uh, now and I can actually have some trade value in my team because we Bears haven't had trade value other than Khalil Mack, who we got way less than what we put out for him. Um, I mean, they haven't had good trade value in decades. I don't know, for a long time, right? So, I mean, I remember when uh, towards the end of Cutler's career when, when people 
would be like, oh yeah, we should trade Cutler for a first round pick. And it was like, what? You'd be lucky to get a fifth for him. You know, it's not that he's a terrible player. It's just that he, he wasn't at that point in his career, he wasn't going to come and surprise anybody. So the thing is, is that they have to give him more time to work. I, if I was if I was in charge, I would be giving him a guarantee on 24 and 25. I think he deserves at least four years. Um, the previous guy got seven, which obviously was way too long. Uh, for whatever reason, he got to stay in, in, in position that long. But in, giving him only two is is just out of line as far as I'm concerned. I think they, he needs at least three years. I think we need to be able to see what he... Uh, what kind of decision he makes with the team. And obviously, the, the spotlight is going to be just as bright this year when it comes March, April time than it, than it was even last year, maybe even brighter. Uh, because this year's class of quarterbacks, last year's class wasn't rated very highly. This one is, and he has to make that determination. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you said it well. And yeah, Poles is trying to dig out from like decades of terrible drafting. The Bears have <laughs> yeah. drafted terribly going back to Jerry Angelo. Like, Pace didn't do well. Emory, actually, if you look back, did decently, but there was just too much else going on there that that was just a disaster. And then Angelo drafted really poorly, too. So Poles is digging out from a lot of ineptitude over the years, and it's going to take some time. So if... We've played this game a couple of times over the last few weeks, but let's just put a percentage on it. What percentage do you think that Poles is back? Uh, I would say I would give it 80. Percentage that, that Eberflus is back? No, it, it, that Poles is back. Eberflus, like you said, he still, uh, you, you give the accolades, but you have to take the criticisms. And I agree with you. It's a, it was a big fail. On polls, and you have to put it on polls because he's the boss. That's the way it is. He's the boss. The buck stops with him. And Eberflus is a failure, as, as far as I'm concerned. So it is a big black mark. So he's got two big, big holes that he has to fill. Number one, head coaching, and number two, the quarterback. And it, it be whatever happened doesn't matter anymore. He has to be able to figure out what is going to happen this offseason to fix those two holes. Your, your percentage that Eberflus is back is close to zero? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, if they bring him back, um, I don't even know what to say if they bring him back. They, he, it's, it just doesn't make sense at any level to bring that guy back. I agree. I, I think your percentages are right. I think most likely Poles is back. Most likely Eberflus is not. Flip a coin on fields at this point, but I think more skewed towards not. Um, all right. Do you want to do power rankings? Oh, sure. Um, so uh, the power rankings this week um, have uh, have flipped around a little bit. Let me pull that up. And let me let me just set the stage here with everyone. We're we're recording on Friday, like I said. So the Thanksgiving games and the Black Friday game have already happened. Um, so 
these are going to be a little bit outdated, but I am curious to see where the Bears are because they have played a little bit better over the last couple of weeks, but, you know, still the big loss to Detroit looms large, and their only win has been over the Panthers. So I would have to imagine we're still pretty far from the top, but just curious what the national perspective is on that. So uh, the ESPN uh, power rankings is what we always go with. And uh, this week, in addition to the rankings, um, each NFL Nation reporter uh, took a look back at the, who they nominated in the hot seat uh, in the preseason and where that seat is now. Uh, the number one team in the rankings, of course, is the Philadelphia Eagles at 9-1. and one. Uh, They hold sole possession of that, and uh, with, the, their, with the big win that they had, um, it's rightfully so. Uh, they were good last year and went to the Super Bowl, and they're looking good this year, like they could be going to the Super Bowl. This is presumably what, you know, Poles is working towards, is making a team that we're not just a one-hit wonder, that will every year will be, con- will be truly contending for the division crown and the conference crown. So um, the uh, top team in the North, uh, the Detroit Lions, who are at four. Um, the preseason hot seat was Jared Goff. That current temperature on that hot seat, cold. <laughs> well, I think that might change a little bit after they lost to the Packers on Thanksgiving, but you know, I can't deny that it's been a good year for them. Yeah, I mean, and and uh, you know, I mean, really. Goff was kind of a side item in that trade. He wasn't the entree. So uh, the fact that he has revitalized his career is is a credit due to Ben Johnson over there. Um, make it, uh, And they're, a big part of their success really has been their focus on developing the defensive line and the offensive line. Uh, their offensive Their offensive line is good. But, man, they really had it taken to them by the Packers and the Bears. I mean, the Bears lost, but they still handed it to them for three three quarters, and they picked him off three times. So they they still did good for a defense that's definitely still lacking pieces. Yeah, agreed. And the Lions are struggling a little bit right now, so we'll see how they handle adversity. And the next uh, team is the Vikings. They've moved all the way up to 13. Um, The player on the hot seat was Cousins, obviously. Um, It it says that his temperature is mild because, you know, nobody, again, uh, they have a quarterback controversy of their own in in the fact that nobody knows what they're going to do. I mean, do you you keep Cousins? Do you, you they have to re-sign him. He's UFA. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen there. I think they will keep him. I mean, he was playing really well, but, you know, that also means it's another big contract for him and presumably a big contract for Justin Jefferson, too, and that's going to be tough to fit those two deals under the salary cap. So that's a fascinating one, but they're not going to have a high enough draft pick where they're going to get their guy, I wouldn't think. So I don't know. It's quite a predicament. And going into the year, you kind of thought that maybe the Vikings would be a sneaky tank team, but they haven't been. They've played well enough that they're in a playoff spot right now. And yeah, 
you know, credit to them. We'll talk a little bit more about them when we talk about Bears Vikings, but I think most likely Cousins is back. Uh, I would, uh, I would guess that as well, but it's like you said, um, uh, I I've said a million times, I don't care how much of the owner's money that they spend, but in the way it's structured, there is a salary cap and that salary cap makes it so that you don't have an infinite amount of money to spend. So what do you do? Uh, the, your, your best player on your team is deserving of a new deal. Do you, do you push him off again for another year? I mean, technically they could do that, but that's not going to make your player all that happy. And you really want to try and keep that guy happy if possible. Um, so the Packers are moved up from 27 to 24. Uh, the person on the hot seat was uh, the GM, Gudekunst, or however. I don't even know how you pronounce his name. I just call him Gut. I think it's Gudekunst. Gudekunst, okay. Anyway, Gut uh, has is looking pretty good right now, actually. Um, it says that the temperature is cold, but he's looking, uh, he's looking pretty strong right now. His bet uh, on Jordan Love, you and I had discussed this a little bit, but I, you got to give that kid some credit. I mean... It looks like the system of, oh, we go draft a talent, a possible talent, and then let him sit for three years behind a Hall of Famer is somehow working again. Now, at the same time, I certainly don't think Love is on the skill level of 4 or 12, um, but uh, he's still he's looking like a very competent quarterback. Yeah, it's funny how fast the narrative changes. I mean, a month ago, everyone was throwing tomatoes at the Packers because of how bad their offense looked. And, look, I mean, they just went out and dominated the Lions on Thanksgiving in Detroit. And, you know, I hadn't really realized how much talent they have on that offense. But those young receivers are pretty good. And the tight ends are good. And, look, Love's played very decently over the last couple weeks, and he played really well in Detroit. So, look, we'll see if he can sustain it. A lot of quarterbacks string together a good couple weeks here, so we'll see how he looks down the stretch, and I think he's probably done enough where he'll be their starting quarterback next year. So I agree with you. I haven't seen anything from him to make me think he's Rodgers or Favre, but he certainly doesn't look like the bust either that people were saying he might be even a couple of weeks ago. So things can change fast in the NFL. We'll, we'll see. I hope that they cool down a bit, but they've got a, a lot of talent on that offense. So that's something to you know be mindful of as we think about this rebuild and where the Bears sit in the division. I know. And we also have to flow, throw in there, in his very first game, he came into Soldier Field and made us look like fools that was a big scat sandwich we had to eat in week one (laughs) uh so where are the bears where are the bears jim's prediction i think they've got to be 28 28 right on this and uh with the uh put them ahead of the I'd put them ahead of the Giants, the yes. Patriots, yes. the Panthers, yes. and maybe 
Arizona. The Cardinals. All correct. Yeah, uh, baby. So uh, at, at 29, or uh, pardon me, 28, um, the preseason hot seat was on for JJ. <laughs> <laughs> Jones, which I remember reading that, and I was a little disappointed with Courtney Cronin for picking that because it's like, I mean, the guy was a third round pick. Uh, you know, I, I I don't look at I I when we when we make a third round pick, I'm expecting I'm I'm hoping that we get a a starting player, but most of the time I'm expecting that you get. Uh, a really solid bench guy that you know maybe can fill in, but I, I certainly uh, didn't think that Valus Jones was something that I was looking at as far as the hot seat. I was looking at Eberflus at the beginning of the season, or I was looking at Luke Getze, or I was looking at Justin Fields, and I think those are the real hot seats. And right now, I'd say that the coaching staff's hot seats are scorching the sun hot right now. So, But um, <laughs> they give the current temperature of the hot seat for JJ at... <laughs> boiling <laughs> so not not an NFL player not an NFL player you know I mean I, I normally I would read what they've written here but it's just not worth it I mean uh, the the Bears have much 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 bigger fish to fry uh than whether a backup receiver is going to work out uh Jim and I actually were talking earlier this week and uh we were we were talking as he mentioned about um, how good uh, of a squad the Green Bay Packers appear to have. And let's not forget that that group is 22, 23, 24 years old. The whole group is. So they could be good for the next decade or so. When you look at their group versus the Bears group, I mean, really, right now the Bears have one good, one great player. I think I think DJ Moore deserves the term great. I would put him in the top 10 receivers in the NFL right now. But their next guy, I don't think they even know who their next guy is. If you're going to rank them number one, number two, number three, number four, number five, I think two through five are all interchangeable, and that's a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. I think they need to invest a little bit more in that position. And look, it's not for lack of trying. They traded for Chase Claypool. They drafted Vilas Jones. They drafted Tyler Scott. It's just that none of them have turned into that number two threat that you want. And like Tyler Scott's still got some time, but you know they've taken a couple of pretty big swings. The biggest of which, by far, was Claypool, and they, that that was a complete disaster. So I agree with you. I think they're still a pass catcher short. I think that's an obvious position to look at. Either the first or the second round of the draft this year. Yeah, um, you know that brings up um, uh, the draft, and of course, uh, one of the players that's getting a lot of talk um, is MHJ, uh, and he should be. Um, I mean, he's uh, shown that uh, he's not just an elite talent; he could be a generational talent, but. You have to invest a super high pick in this guy. And my mind is that the focus should be on 
the top three positions that I consider in the NFL, and that's quarterback, offensive lineman, specifically left tackle, and defensive end, great edge rusher. I, I still think that those are the three most important, and uh, right now uh, we're lacking at those three spots. I mean, uh, Braxton Jones, though, um, I still am tooting that guy's horn. I think he's done uh, well, and he's come back from injury, and he's still doing pretty well. He's, his metrics are still pretty good. I don't know whether they uh, what their position is on keeping him there, but those three spots need to be settled more than going and using the kind of pick you will need to get Marvin Harrison Jr. I, I, what are you looking at? I think that's right. I think he can find receivers later on that are really impactful. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. might be special and you can't deny the impact that a guy like Jamar Chase has had on the Bengals. So if they go that direction, I won't be upset about it, but I tend to agree with you that if there's an elite tackle or an elite edge rusher or an elite corner, that's where I'd rather see them go in the top 10. But look, Specifically at left tackle, if Braxton or sorry, if Ryan Pace is still here, I don't think they're moving on from Braxton Jones. I, I just think Coles likes him. That's his guy. I, I don't think that they're going to replace him next year if Ryan Coles is the general manager. And by all accounts, there's not an elite edge rusher. So if you don't go, and I think one of their picks probably will be a quarterback. So look, if, if they said we're going to go quarterback, best receiver available with our two top 10 picks, depending on where that second pick falls, Marvin Harrison Jr. might be gone, but I'd have a tough time being upset with that. But I, I tend to agree with you. I don't love going wide receiver in the top 10. I just think you can find really talented receivers later on in the draft, even if towards the end of the first round. And like the best example of that is Justin Jefferson, who's in our own division, but absolutely. The league. I mean, there's, there's rookie receivers that were drafted late, that are making huge impacts. I mean, look at Tank Dell in Houston or Jaden Reed yeah. in Green Bay. Like, you can find really solid receivers later on in the draft. I mean, but Green Bay, we just were talking about them. And what's their thing? They don't draft skill position players in the first round. And yet they've got a really talented group of skill position players that are young and that are producing right now. So, I'm with you on Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't think it would be my preference, but look, if they get that guy, it's going to be really hard to be upset either. He's, he's a lot of fun, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it too, but to me, using that pick there would be more of a luxury um, if, for that position, simply because, like you said, even when you look in our own division, it's not reflective of it. Uh, Justin Jefferson was not a high pick. Jordan Addison was not a high pick. If you go back a little bit, the Minnesota has done a really good job of drafting, drafting some good receivers. Uh, I mean, just those two, not to mention Randy Moss, who is a Hall of Famer. Um, he was not a high pick either. In fact, I think he was 31. So, you know, he, he, what I'm saying is, is that, to me, it's a much more subjective uh position than some of the others are now uh if you keep keep looking at our division then you could go and look at calvin johnson who was number two of all yeah. overall and what did he win 
Nothing. He didn't never win made anything. Never made the playoffs, I don't think. I mean, so, you know, and, you know, he was as, as legendary as they come. But I just, I, I just don't think with the position that the Bears are in right now, they need, they still need too much help on both of the lines, uh, not to mention the guy behind center. Center's a good position, too. They got to get a new center. That, that is one of the, uh, to me, that is a black mark against uh, polls last year. Uh, center was obvi- an obvious need for last year, and he didn't address it. Dan Feeney, uh, I mean, Lucas Patrick, those guys are, stink. Uh, I mean, and not to mention that Patrick is a total liability when it comes to injury. Uh, I mean, wow. The guy. Snapping the ball. <laughs> <laughs> They've got three centers and none of them can snap. None of them can snap the ball. Oh, yeah, Cody Whitehair is good, but he can't snap the ball. And and now Whitehair is benched. What the heck happened there? Um, so, you know, uh, address... Address the lines so that we go and draft a quarterback and he doesn't find himself with one second to make a decision every single time he's pulling the ball. You know, I mean, Bears fans, for one, have to be tired of seeing that. The the guy behind center running for his life on almost every play. Yeah, I agree. Uh, center's a big pet peeve of mine. That's just been a position that's gone unaddressed for far too long. And they thought that they could get their way through this year with Whitehair and Patrick, and both have not worked out. So I hope that they go and get address that position in the draft. Typically, you're not going to take a center in the first round, but go in the second round, assuming they have a pick, and get the best center available and just address that need because it's, it's just been stop gap after stop gap after stop gap since Olin Cruz and he retired a long damn time ago. Yeah. In, in retrospect, it's kind of funny. Uh, all of us, uh, the bears fans all bitched about Mustafa and he was probably the best guy that we've had there since Cruz. So <laughs> what, what does that say? Yeah, so much for uh, the kid from Illinois, uh, Kramer. It doesn't. I, I don't know what his deal is. Uh, he, he's still on the practice squad, practice. I think. <laughs> All right, should we do a couple minutes on Bears Vikings here? Monday night showdown. Monday night showdown. Um, you know that all all signs point to uh, the Vikings winning that game. Um, you know. It will be interesting uh, to watch simply because uh, the, 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 the team, I feel like the Bears are improved since uh, the previous game uh, earlier this year. Um, but the Vikings are playing really well right now. Uh, Kevin O'Connell is getting quite a bit out of uh, Josh Dobbs. Um, if I'm a Vikings fan... Uh, I don't invest in Josh Dobbs, though. I, I don't I don't see him being more than what he is right now, and that's just a good backup. Uh, so they will have to address the quarterback situation uh, as, a, as a primary uh, thing in, in the offseason. Um, I don't see uh, the Bears, um, you know, when 
Goff did get hot right there at the end of the at the end of the game. They weren't able to do a lot to stop him. Um, hopefully, the secondary plays more like the first three quarters than it did in the last one. Uh, and I, I, I do think that the Bears can do a solid job against the run. And I don't think that the Vikings running backs are all that great. But I, I, I don't. I don't see Chicago going in there and, and winning it. Uh, now, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if if they did, but I, I would tend to give the the ball to to Minnesota this weekend or Monday night. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked either, especially because I think if he plays well, the Bears have the far better quarterback. Like Josh Dobbs, like you said, is a very fun story, but I think he's a great backup quarterback. I, I think as a starter. You know, he's a guy that can get you through a game and manage it, but he's not special or good or anything. Like, he puts a lot of balls in harm's way. So I I do think the Bears have the edge there, but I also think that what we're kind of learning is that, like, the Vikings are one of the better coached teams in the league with O'Connell and with Flores. And we saw what Flores did to the offense when the Vikings came down here to Soldier. He, you know completely shut it down and then Justin Fields got hurt so look a thing about the Vikings is pretty much every game they play is close it's always one possession and in one possession game coaching matters and I think the Vikings are a really well coached team and I think the Bears are a really poorly coached team so I think it's going to be a close game and I think at the end the Bears are going to find a way to screw it up and that's basically their identity as a franchise right now so I don't have much more to analyze than that yeah, uh, right now the line, Minnesota by three. Uh, the uh, matchup predictor has 62% uh, for Minnesota. Um, it'll be uh, I, the, the injury report uh, shows uh, Deontay Foreman out. No, questionable. I, I did not hear what happened to him. Did you? I think he's got an ankle, um, and I think he might have gotten banged up in the game against Detroit as well, but no, I, I don't know if that's a serious injury or not. TJ Hawkinson is shown as questionable. Interesting. I would imagine he'll play. I, I, I think Jefferson's out, but I think everyone else on their offense is planning to play. Yeah, I don't think Jefferson will be back. Uh, Hawkinson was limited today, but... He did practice, so he'll he'll probably play. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But um, I would not think that the game would be real high scoring, uh, and I, I think that Minnesota probably wins a close game. Um, I think it'd be nice to see us go beat Minnesota uh, on Monday Night Football. But uh, and, and I certainly, if if Fields uh, plays like he did in that Washington game. Um, or even in the Detroit game. He played pretty well in the Detroit game. Uh, he had a decent game. Um, I, I think, we, I think we, could, uh, we could see a win. What did you think of the, about that play with uh, Fields going to Scott on that deep ball right there at the end? I mean, I understand the argument that maybe you want to take a lower risk throw, but he was wide open and Fields put it in a perfect spot and Scott just messed up the route so you got to trust that an NFL receiver makes that play and I think it was just a rookie mistake but it's a perfect throw it was right where you need to put it yeah I I, I agree um 
one of the things though is I gotta say my uh, my love for uh, Khalil Herbert has actually gone down a little bit this year. Um, I, I feel like for the most part, uh, Deontay Foreman and Roshan Johnson both have outplayed him. I, I even thought that Darrington Evans looked better than him at a, a few times this year. I, I just, I don't know. Uh, Herbert does not seem to be running with the, he, maybe it's confidence. I don't know what it is, but have you seen any of that? He didn't look good against the Lions at all. He, he just, I don't know if he's still injured, but he didn't have that burst that we've seen before. And, yeah, I agree with you on Evans. I mean, if that's how Herbert's going to look, I think Evans was running the ball better. So I don't know if he's just not healthy, but I, I agree with you. It's been a down year for Herbert, and he wasn't impressive in the Lions game at all. I mean, he looked slow, honestly, so I'm, I'm with you there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, the only thing we have left is uh, Survivor. Yeah, so Tom and I picked the Jaguars last week. They beat the Titans easily, so we're still alive. Uh, there's only 105 people left in our pool, over <laughs> 1,600 eliminated right now. So we're in the thick of it. Um, so this is a week that I've had circled for a while because it looked like a great opportunity to use the Titans against the Panthers, but I don't know if I can trust them. Yeah. Um, other games that I was considering, I mean, the Chiefs going to Vegas, that's the obvious one. They're 10-point favorites. If you want to get more risky, you could use the Vikings. You could use Baltimore going to L.A. Or I think, you know, we could also maybe think about using Denver at home against Dorian Thompson-Robinson. So how risky do you want to get? Yeah. And we can use the Titans, too. Really so like I think they probably – So I, I like all of those picks. Um the Titans game, I don't know. The Titans are terrible. Uh, you know, they're. I, I could see them winning that game, and by rights they should win that game, but I could also see that as a game where suddenly they decide to play like total crap and somehow, <laughs> somehow Carolina wins. Um, it's just kind of a game. Like of two bad teams at the end of a season, where neither of them's going anywhere. Like sometimes weird shit just happens in those games. Right. I and mean, we saw Amir Smith Marset return a touchdown against us. So yeah, oh, God, I couldn't believe that either. Um, you know the the Ravens game and the Chiefs game. Uh, when I was doing my rundown, obvious those are the ones that stood out. Obviously, they're your more kind of gimme games, but um, we need to just make sure we make it through the week, and they're both available to us. So, um, and almost everyone's picked the Chiefs already. So, I think there might be some upsets this week. So, if we want to just go safe and sort of live to fight another day, that's a good strategy, I think. Yeah, and and that's the thing is is that's like you said, we've uh, gotten down to about a hundred left, and. Um, you, you you just gotta make sure that you keep winning, and there's just not a there's uh, there's not a lot to look at here. I, I kind of like the Giants game too. Um, I think the Patriots are terrible, and I think that Bill Belichick is he needs to retire. I I don't think he really has that coaching spark that won him all those championships anymore. 
Um, I, I kind of question since I, I think he probably should have retired when Tom Brady left. Uh, but um, for whatever reason, he's still, he's still doing it. But I, I think that the Giants uh, have been playing um, better over the last uh, couple of games. And uh, I, I think the Patriots are terrible. But, um, you know, the, the one that obviously sticks out the most is the Chiefs playing the Raiders. The Chiefs are coming off a loss. They're going to be fired up to, uh, to play uh, better. Um, Mahomes is ultra competitive. That's a division game. Uh, I like that game a lot. Yeah, and I don't think – Max Crosby hasn't been practicing this week, so maybe he doesn't play either, which is a big deal. I, I'm good with that. I don't want to touch that Giants-Patriots game with a 10-foot pole. I mean, <laughs> two awful teams. Right. Both both kind of incentivized to lose at this point. I, I'm not interested. After coming this far, if, if we got eliminated with Tommy DeVito, I don't think I'd ever be able to live with myself again. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm good, Tommy DeVito. I'm good with the Chiefs, and yeah, I think a lot of people will be on the Vikings, so that's a little extra incentive to root for the Bears. And sure. I, I don't like Baltimore going all the way to LA either. I mean, Baltimore just is a team that. I, that's seems, what I don't uh, like either. Yeah, like they find ways to lose as well, and look, they're having a nice season, but I don't trust them on the road on the West Coast. So I'm, I'm good with the Chiefs. I think that's an easy one. And then, look, with the amount of just horse crap teams in the NFL right now, a lot. I, I think there's a lot of teams that you can fade down the stretch here. So I'm, I'm good with going safe this week. And then, I mean, just looking next week, like there's some opportunities with some bad teams and some bad spots. So let's, let's roll with the Chiefs and we'll see where that gets us. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Is parody becoming synonymous with lots of teams suck? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, because, well, that's wow. Tom, did you hear the interview with Tom Brady? That's kind of what he was talking about. He's yeah. It's like, teams don't practice as much as they used to, and the league wants parody, and that just produces a lot of really mediocre to bad teams. I mean, look at who the Bears play down the stretch here. I mean, Bad teams or teams that were good that have their quarterback out for the year. So it's just a lot of bleh right now all across the NFL, with, with the exception of, like, four teams. Yeah, agreed. And, um, you know, uh, it, it will be uh, interesting to see uh, how the playoffs uh, work uh, once, they, once we get a, a little bit further down the road here. But, the you know, the e- – each conference has a, a, just a few teams right there at the top and everybody else that's going to make the playoffs looks like, okay, all the crap teams will battle each other to play the good teams who will probably be the predictable ones to make it to the conference championships anyway. Right. I, I think that's what we're looking at. I think it's Chiefs, Ravens, Dolphins, and then Niners, Eagles, maybe the Cowboys. So that's, yeah, Looking to be a pretty chalky playoffs, I think, especially with some of the big quarterback injuries in both conferences. Yeah. And, of course, the Bears are not a part of those conversations. (laughs) (laughs) Again. All right. So, uh, thanks a lot, Bears fans. Uh, We appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Yeah, sorry for... 
the unusual gap in recordings. We'll get back on our normal schedule now that we're through Thanksgiving here. But hope everyone had a nice Thanksgiving. Enjoy Monday night. Bear down. Bear down.